This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis and my co-host is my trusty service dog, Whistle. And we're thrilled to be with you to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. Today, we're going to be visiting with best-selling author, public speaker, and the internationally acclaimed star of Leader of the Pack, as well as the original Emmy-nominated host of The Dog Whisperer, who else but Caesar Milan. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome Caesar to the show. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio, and it's my pleasure to welcome Caesar Milan to our show today. Hello, Caesar, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. I love the title, Working Like Dogs. Yeah, well, that's what we're all about is working dogs and working animals. And we've been long-term fans of yours. And we're so excited about your second season of Caesar 911 that's coming up. Well, thank you very much. And actually, you know, the title says it all for me, you know, working like dogs or working dogs. One thing that that makes a dog develop problems is he's not working. He's not earning, you know, what he gets. He's not utilizing his abilities. And that's what makes a dog become depressed. That's what makes a dog become aggressive. That's what makes a dog become anxious. Once a dog has a purpose or is working for something, that dog is a super happy dog. You can see it in the Westminster where the dogs are, maybe that's not what they were bred for, you know, but, but definitely something that was redirected, you know. Now they're being told that you're going to go in a circle, that you're going to have a space with other dogs, and that you're going to act this way. And then humans are going to come and touch your your mouth and your rear, and they're going to put their hand on it. These humans are strangers, so you have to deal with that, which is a challenge for dogs, by the way. And so it's a beauty pageant, but the dog is doing something. <laughs> well, I know it's so true. And I think of you so often because I have a disability and have a service dog, my co-host, Whistle. And Whistle, even though he works with me all day, he still needs that exercise to run around and play. And I have to take his back backpack off and take him on a walk. And I hear you in my mind, Caesar, telling me that he needs this exercise and he needs to do this so that he can work and do his job. 
that's the beauty that you're actually listening to what I say. You know, most people watch the show and they hear what I say, but they don't actually digest or reflect on what I say. And that's really my goal for the whole world. Is what I have to share is actually very simple. Exercise, you know, mental stimulation and affection in that order is what makes a dog happy. So I do believe that we can actually eradicate the problem that we have with dogs. We don't have to live in a world where dogs become a problem or a nuisance. That's actually something that we can actually take care of because it doesn't require a lot of money. So what it requires is the commitment of exercise, discipline, and affection. Most people are committed to affection, affection, affection. This is what most of my clients do. And even though they, they know they're supposed to walk the dog, even though they know the dog needs rules, bonus, limitations, they don't do it. Therefore, it doesn't mean anything if you hear it, but you don't do it. It's so true. And like I said, even when you have one of these incredibly trained working dogs, they still have to have that playtime, that downtime and the exercise so that they can function like they need to. It's so true. It's equivalent of a beer for human, right? The human goes to work, you know, and, and it drives and the whole thing. And then the human goes to a bar and has a beer. And but the dog, his beer is is to, is to explore, is to mingle with other dogs and to, you know, to share information of that very moment, you know, to look at a, at a rock, to look at a, at a tree and, and a flower and all those simple things that they value so much. Because that to them is like, okay, I did my thing, but I also stay connected to myself. It's so true. Well, I have to ask you, have you had the opportunity to really work with people who are training their own dogs to become a service dog? Actually, yes. I'm actually very close with the Bergen University, which they do a lot of that type of training. And it's on the north of uh, Los Angeles. Yes. And uh, they do such a great job on uh, helping, you know. What I love the most is nobody feels handicapped. You know, what yeah. I love the most is nobody feels sorry for it. You know, everybody's so <laughs> calm, everybody's so assertive, everybody's so like, okay, what we need to do to make sure we make this happen. So the vibe in that environment is something that I really enjoy myself because when I go into people who don't have any disability, quote unquote, they feel disabled. You know, yeah. I always say handicapped people make dogs normal and normal people make dogs handicapped. <laughs> my clients are not handicapped. My clients are normal people, quote unquote, but they make the dogs unstable, you know, and therefore they handicap the dog. Yeah. And so the dog end up having psychological problems, you know, like aggression and fear and separation inside, all of those things that people talk about it constantly. They don't realize that they're actually making those problems. And, and including with dogs that, you know, that you rescue and people go out and rescue dogs at a shelter and they feel sorry for the dog. So that automatically just makes the dog never to move forward. Yeah. So it's when you go to a hospital and visit people, you don't want to feel sorry for them. They know they're already in the hospital. So what you want to feel is optimistic and positive and calm and faithful, right? And, you know, and sharing faith. But uh, what, people don't do the same thing with dogs. People actually feel bad about them, you know, what happened in the past. And that's one thing that we have to uh, stop doing is don't feel sorry for a dog that is already in a bad shape. Just feel optimistic, feel calm, give him what he needs, and he will move on. And it's yeah. simple as that, by the way. That's awesome. Well, tell us about your live shows that you've been doing. You know, I've I done these live shows for the past, uh, I guess, six, seven years around the world. I've never done a uh, live show in, uh, in America, especially in Vegas, never. I was limited for uh, when I was super prepared and make sure that Vegas get the first dog guy on stage and, and speaks about 
how we, you know, uh, make our dogs unstable through humor, obviously. And of course, I bring dogs live from Vegas and we do transformation right there in front of your eyes. It's almost like a magic trick, which is not. It's just different energy, you know, and, and, and I make sure that people laugh a lot, learn a lot, and they get this whole feeling of like, I can't believe he actually did it on stage. Because everybody, when they watch the show, everybody thinks, when they watch the TV show, they everybody thinks, well, they edited that part, or they they switched dogs, or they give them some kind of drugs. I heard them all. But when you see it live, it's right there. You know what I mean? So the TV show makes you a fan, but the live show makes you a believer. Wow. Well, that's incredible. I know when I heard about the live shows, I was like, wow, that's amazing that you would do it like that, like you said, so that there is no question. People can see it immediate. And that's going to, your Las Vegas show is going to air, right? That's the other side that people don't know about me. You know, the humor. Actually, dogs are the most comedic guys that I ever met. They're very, very humoristic. You know, dogs are always making me laugh. So a lot of people say, so who taught you how to be a, a comedian? And I said, dogs, because they're constantly doing goofy things and they're making me laugh and they always change my state of mind and they grab things and they smell things that I would never do. <laughs> and I, I mean, they have such a great sense of humor. You know, everybody talks about a dog, about the unconditional love, which is true. But the humor part, you know, the dedication, the honesty, the integrity, the loyalty, all of those stuff, all of those beautiful components in a relationship. Nobody talks about it, and, and that's something that I like to showcase and remind people that we don't just are in a relationship with someone who is unconditional to us, but we have to return that to them. You know, we can't ask them to become anything else than what they are. You know, everybody wants to make a dog a human, but that you're putting conditions to who he is. Yes. And so let's love yes. them as who they are. Let's help them achieve their dream. And, and that's what allows the dog to be happy. When a human changes the identity of a dog, automatically the dog is going to be confused. We like it or not, right? So then yes. the confusion leads a dog to two things, depression and aggression. Why? Because he's frustrated. He's not living to the fullest. The human is selfish, right? But the human feels that he's doing his best because he buys all these things. But the dog says, listen, I don't need money. I can live with homeless people, right? So that's a perfect example. I don't need a human with money. I just need a human that is committed to do a teamwork, not just yeah. a one-way street. Yeah, it's so true. And it's just, just the beauty of it. I'm amazed. I've been partnered with a service dog for over 20 years. And wow. every day, I'm so amazed at what my dog does for me so that I can be more independent. And it's just incredible. And it's exactly what you said. It's just loving them for who they are and allowing them to you have to respect that because like you said, I mean, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned is that they're not robots. It's not emotional, you know, because I wanted to baby my dog and do all those things, but it's just, you can't do that. Well, you can, but you're doing it in a way where it's harmonious, right? Yes. Because yes. He loves, he loves to be a dog. He loves <laughs> that. So once you love them being who they are, you're baby them. You are, yeah. You're spoiling them in that aspect. So that, in my opinion, we misinterpret spoil. We misinterpret love because we think it has to be our way. Right. But when right. we do it their way, they feel respected. You know, yes. so when people say my dog is aggressive, my dog is jumps on people, my dog chew on furniture, my dog digs <laughs> on the garden. What that says to me automatically is this dog doesn't feel respected. Therefore, he can only mirror this respect. Mm -hmm. Right? So mm -hmm. that's one way of communicating. You know dogs can tweet. They can send you, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, letters, you know, and say, listen, I'm very upset with you because you left <laughs> without walking. You know, they're not yes. going to send you, you know, hell, hateful emails. 
but they, they can only give you like feedback with their behavior. Most people misinterpret this communication, and, and what do they call it? They call, they call it destructive behavior, right? They call it a uh, mean dog, bad dog, disrespectful dog. We don't really say, you know, how this dog became this way, living with me. Yes. Well, I can yeah. tell right away when Whistle gets stressed, when he gets upset, I can tell it by his behavior. And I know that I have to start doing things differently so that he feels more comfortable. And a lot of time that is letting him run around in the backyard and dig a little bit and do what he needs to be a dog for a little while. Well, that means you're in tune to him. Most people are not in tune to a dog. They're in tune to themselves. That's why the dog feels that he lives in a very selfish relationship. Because the human always makes sure his needs are met. But the human forgets to meet the needs of a dog. So in your case, look, I'm always you know, making sure my dog feels comfortable. As soon as he feels uncomfortable, he's going to let me know. My job is to understand what he's saying and provide what he needs. Yes. It's a relationship. That is a partnership. Yeah, it is. So most people want one-way relationship. And then they blame the dog. This is why they blame the pit bull. Right? Yeah. This is why they're trying to ban breed. Because if you can't control a Lhasa Apso, how in the world are you going to control a, a pit bull? It's impossible, yeah. Yeah. right? It's the same thing. Aggression is aggression. It's just when you enter into more powerful breed, the destruction is much higher. I agree yes. with that. But yes. what I yes. don't agree is we think it's a breed problem when it's actually a species problem. It's our problem. We're not educated enough. Right, right. I agree completely. And we enter into a very hypocritical aspect because we say we love dogs, but not that one. Right. Now, when you're a dog lover, you love all of them. That's right. It is, it's right? not the dog that's the issue. It's the person. Yes, yes. Dogs, <laughs> dogs don't rationalize. You're never going to get a phone call from a dog and say, listen, I'm going to showcase my human. I'm going to send you a video <laughs> and show you how he treats me. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. That would be awesome. So that way, the human will realize, oh, my God, that I really did that? Yes, you did. You know, so getting <laughs> cameras in your house and things like that, so... We showcase how the human is not really being responsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I normally don't make people, you know, wrong for it. That's not my style. I know, I know. But I do make people aware of, right? Yes, So I like yes. to make people aware of what we do. I don't think it's anything wrong. The thing is we don't know any better. Well, that's, that's what I was going to really say is people, yeah, people just don't. I know. Because when I first started with service dogs, I had no idea. And we have to be educated. We have to become aware and enlightened. And I think most people want that. That's why we love you so much, Caesar, because you help to enlighten us and make us aware of those things so that we can be better partners and better handlers. Hey, can I say something? You know, the show or whatever I do, it's not only for people that have dogs. Just, just the fact that we live in a society where there's dogs in it, we all have to learn about dogs because it mm-hmm. takes a village to raise a child, right? And it takes a community to actually help a dog because when people passes by a dog that's barking at the window and you feel bad about it, you just gave the dog more fuel, yeah. right? But if you feel relaxed about it, you, you actually stop a dog from barking. And so there is, there is, and you don't have to have a dog. You don't have to like dogs. You don't, none of that. You just have to understand dogs. Understanding and liking and, and, and wanting to have one is completely different, right? So uh, it's just the show or everything that I do is just so I can help all dogs by educating all kinds of humans. Not only yeah. the dog lovers, you know? Yeah. Not only the dog yeah. lovers. Yeah. Yeah, because we all live together, right? And how do you pick your community, Caesar, that you're going to, to work with? How does that work? 
Well, actually, the producers do that part, you know. Season 911, number one, it's not the dog owners who call me. It's actually the neighbors or the family mm-hmm. members. And that's what we right. call them, then the whistleblowers, right? So the whistleblowers send a, an email or a video more than anything and say, Caesar, we need your help because this, 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 this. We already told our, you know, our neighbor to do something about it. And she said she did, but that was a year ago and we don't see any progress. And we're afraid that our kids are one day are going to get hurt by this dog. And our neighbor is in denial of it. So that's, you know, so they're picking up the story that the whole entire world can actually relate, especially worlds like Europe and, and America and Australia where dogs live indoors. Because when a dog lives in, in the outdoors, they don't behave this way, right? Dogs in mm-hmm. our country are skinny, but they don't have psychological problems. Dogs in America are nice and chunky and I get to have a TV show. So <laughs> dogs that live indoors without a job become frustrated. And that frustration mm-hmm. is going to be released in anything that passes outside. People on bikes, cats, squirrels, kids, you know, anything that passes in. And the more consistent, that's why mailmen get attacked a lot because they come in and it feels like a teasing. You know, the dog, is this human comes with a bag and moves towards and then he goes back. Every day he does the same thing. So it's almost like the mailman is challenging the dog every single day. Mm-hmm. And so that's why this situation happens a lot, you know, with the mailman. Yeah, well, it makes perfect sense. I mean, because like you said, they all dogs want a job, they want a purpose. And if they're not getting that, then they're very frustrated and they take it out in different ways. Well, I wanted to ask you another question. And that is for, you know, now people are, instead of going through agencies to get their service dog or guide dog, they're doing this training the dogs on their own more and more. And people are wanting self-trained dogs. What advice would you offer to someone who wanted to to train their own service dog? First, you have to see a few dogs who are like top of the top, right? Like, like the best of the best. And they also, you have to learn from these people who actually took the time, many, many years of knowledge, you know, to understand what is the end result. How do a dog goes through the ups and downs, how to deal with that, how to help a dog when a dog doesn't understand how to deal with a certain scenario. So everybody forgets the fundamentals. You know, everybody wants to train a dog and then have a, a dog train. So it's three steps, fundamentals, training, and outcome. So everybody's focusing on the training. But the training is meaningless if you don't understand the fundamentals, the basics, which is trust, respect, love, honesty, integrity, loyalty. This is how you get this. This is what makes the dog give his life for you. If you don't know mm-hmm. how to earn this, don't teach him anything. Yeah, uh, yeah. The dog is trained, the dog is balanced. Okay, a dog that is trained doesn't mean he's balanced, and a dog that is balanced doesn't mean he's trained. But you want a balanced dog, then you want to train him. For example, a dog that live with homeless people are balanced dogs. They need no leash. So if those people want to enter into a training, they can do training in a matter of two months. Why? Because they already have trust, respect, love. They already have it. That's what the dog is there without a leash. He wants to be there. He likes that style of life. He feels that that's his human for the rest of his life. So that's it. Loyalty is 100%. Everybody skips the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why a lot of people say, I, you know, my dog, I shot dog off leash. But that means they, they have no trust. How do you build that trust, Caesar? What do you recommend for that? If you have a dog that, you know, would run away and you have a hard time getting it to come back, how do you build that for the dog to, <laughs> to come back? Well, they, obviously, if a dog doesn't want to be near you, that means everything outside is more exciting than you. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, obviously, uh, for me, that will be more, more walks on a leash, 
you know, mm-hmm. and just to bring mm-hmm. a dog to those scenarios and teach him how to be able to look at things and to smell things. So, mm-hmm. the, so what you teach the dog is, it's okay for you to look at things, to smell things, hear things. What is not okay is for you to move towards them. So what that means when a dog takes off is his instincts are still in control of him, of the dog. So mm-hmm. you want, that's why being a pack leader means that you control instincts and then you tell them when to utilize that instinct. There is no knowledge behind instinct. It's all reactions for, which means if you're in a sidewalk and the dog sees a squirrel on the other side, but his car's in the middle, he's not going to think about the car. He's just going to react towards the squirrel, meaning he can actually get hurt, mm-hmm. right? So he's not thinking about the cars. He's just reacting about the squirrel. So, but when you are taking the leadership position, you can actually block the mind from reacting going towards the squirrel. Therefore, you can teach a dog not to cross the street. See, mm. controlling instincts is more important than training a dog. Yeah, and you know what, when you use a wheelchair or you're, you know, you have some kind of mobility limitation, that gets tricky because it's not as much fun to be with a person sometimes when they can't get around to some of the different areas. So that's something that I've really had to work on is to build that with Whistle because he wanted to run off and play and it's hard to get that to come back and to want to be in, in the space with someone with a disability. You know, behind some kind of fences in a large area, the dog has the experience of roam as much as he wants, and then once he gets bored, then I start conditioning him to the sound that I want him to relate to, you know, mm-hmm. and then eventually what I do is before he gets too far, I create the boundaries that I feel comfortable with. So that's why I have a ranch. I have a 43-acre ranch because most dogs are not allowed to roam far away, and a lot of dogs are frustrated because they were never allowed to explore, right? Mm-hmm. And remember, mm-hmm. dogs want to do three things. They want to do, they want to follow, they want to play, and they want to explore. But at the same time, you can tell them how far can they explore. But when a dog has never explored and you want to put boundaries right away, he's not going to accept that. So let him get it out of his system first, obviously in an environment that is safe because it has fences around. And then once the dog satisfies that need, he's going to come back. As soon as he comes back, you say whatever sound you want him to relate to that motion. Then the next day, you know he already satisfied that. So now you said the boundaries. But when I'm helping a dog the first time, that's why sometimes I put rollerblade because that dog wants to run. So mm-hmm. I don't want to tell him how fast he should run. What I want to do is you run as fast as you want. I have wheels on my feet. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I love so, that. Yep. <laughs> so I do whatever he wants first. Once he gets it out of the system, then I bring what makes me comfortable. What's my safe zone? 20 feet away from me, I'm okay. 40 feet away from me, I'm okay. Then by the time he moves into that 20 feet boundary, I use the sound. That's when I use, and then they hear the sound. That means stop and turn around and come back. Mm-hmm. And then once they come back, I give affection, I give a toy, I give something, and then they relate. Okay, every time I come back, I'm going to get something. So they come back faster. Right, right. Oh, I love that. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it is, like you said, it's building that trust and respect, which I have to say, Whistle and I have been together now eight years, so we don't have those issues any longer. But boy, when I first got him, I really had to work on that. And I really appreciated watching your show and and getting insight from you. So you have had such an impact on us, I can tell you for sure. Thank you. You know, having a dog is a beautiful project. You know, it's a beautiful project. We, 
we need to see it not just uh, as a relationship of emotions, but also as a, as a mental challenge, you know, uh, invite the dog to go into the ups and downs that we go through and go with their ups and downs. Because that's what relationship is all about, you know. Yes, so, it is. We grew up old together, but but if you if people just keep a dog in the house and they never go through those ups and downs and the challenges and the projects and exploring the world together and walking together and challenging each other, the dog will never see that as a healthy relationship. So that's yeah. why people are going to experience unhealthy behaviors. Mm-hmm. Most people have bad habits, so you can only teach bad habits if you have bad habits. That's all you can teach. Right. Yeah, That's it's a two-way see. street. Yeah, it has right. to be a two-way street. Yeah, yeah, it really does. That's one of the biggest lessons I've learned with a service dog is it is. It's a two-way street. Yeah. He has to depend on me as much as I have to depend on him. Absolutely. Well, that's a yeah. relationship, right? That, that, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, Caesar, it's been so awesome visiting with you. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're so excited to watch your special that will be coming up on Nat Geo Wild and the second season of Caesar 911. So thank you Yay. so much. And we, yeah. And we hope you'll come back <laughs> and visit with us again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Well, we're so sorry that we're out of time because we would love to continue visiting with Caesar, but we're so thrilled that he could stop by and visit with us. And we're also just as thrilled that you, our listeners, stopped by with us today. We love to hear from you. So please keep those emails coming. And you can email us at Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. And you can also follow Working Like Dogs on Facebook and Twitter. So thanks so much for being with us. We look forward to being with you again soon and take good care. Let's Talk Pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.